Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. My name is John Shuck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. You can find our webpage at fpcelizabethton.org. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM on the campus of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM in Emory, Virginia. My guest is Catherine Bush. Catherine Bush lives in Abingdon, Virginia, and she is the playwright-in-residence for Barter Theater, the State Theater of Virginia. And her plays uh, produced at Barter Theater include uh, The Other Side of the Mountain, The Quilt Maker, Coming Up a Storm, Wooden Snowflakes, The Controversial Rescue of Fatty the Pig, Where Trouble Sleeps, and her latest, uh, Walking Across Egypt, on stage from mid-February to mid-May of 2013. Catherine's work has been seen throughout the country. An award-winning production of Trade and Paint was celebrated in Atlanta in the spring of 2009, and her musical I'll Never Be Hungry Again continues to be produced nationally. It's also at uh, Barter Theater uh, through February and March. Other plays include The Frankenstein Summer, The Executioner's Sons, and Just a Kiss, which was a finalist for the 2007 Steinberg Award presented by the American Theater Critics Association. Her plays for young audiences have been commissioned and produced by the Barter Players, and several have toured to schools across the Southeast United States. So very excited to have Catherine Bush on Religion for Life. Welcome. Thank you. That was so impressive. I'm exhausted just listening to well, all I've done. Well, you are impressive. That's, this is a wonderful <laughs> list. I, and you are a playwright in, in residence at Barter Theater. What, what's 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 the day in the life? Uh, I mean, that is such a neat thing. What a, a gig. Be able to write plays. There wonderful. are people who would kill to have my yeah. gig. And I was very lucky to get it. I was living in New York and having a lot of plays produced at Barter. And uh, one day, it was very fortuitous. I had just lost my apartment in Manhattan that, where I had very, very cheap rent, which just kind of unheard of. And I started was looking for another place. I got a call from Barter saying, would you like to be our dramaturge slash playwright in residence? And I'm like, yeah, I'd much rather live in Virginia than in Brooklyn. You know, I'd live in uh-huh. Manhattan for 14 years. I didn't want to move to the outer boroughs. So I, I came down here and it has been... Um, Actually, I now don't. I'm not a salaried position anymore. I work on commission. I do royal. They commission plays from me and royalties, so it's even a greater gig because they okay. can't fire me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. So a day in the life of a playwright is you get up, you crack open a diet coke, and you open your computer, and you, know, you check Facebook and your email, and then you you start writing plays. I mean, it is it is it sounds much more romantic than it is. I think it it is a great life. I can stay in my pajamas all day. And write plays, but there's also the slog of writing, which a lot of I'm sure most writers talk about, and a lot of people don't know about, is when it comes easily to you, when the dialogue comes to you, and you are just you know channeling the the voices in your head. It's a mm-hmm. wonderful job, and when that doesn't happen, which is 98% of the time, it's a slog. Yeah, you're kind of going yeah. through some slow but, periods. I mean, it's, of, yeah, I mean, exactly, absolutely. Where you know you have point A, you have to get to point C, and and get and creating point B is laborious and frustrating and I don't know that I ever get blocked. I don't know that I've ever suffered greatly from writer's block because I'm always on a deadline. Mm-hmm. But some of it is much easier than others. But overall, my life is great. I mean, I get to walk to the theaters and see my work done. I know I'm going to have work produced, which mm-hmm. gives mo- that's another thing most playwrights would kill to have. Just the, the theater with great actors and great directors and a great dramaturges who will help you create a play and that you will actually get to see it come to fruition. 
Is there a sense in which uh, being a playwright at Barter do, that you shape some of your plays for Barter itself? Oh, or? absolutely. I mean, the play that is going to open in a few weeks, Walking Across Egypt, was um, is such is such a, a play. It's a play set in North Carolina in the 1980s, and it's about a woman who um, a Christian woman who puts her faith to that to the test, basically, through her actions. And our audience is a lot of the Bible Belt. We have a lot of, it's a, Barter Theater is a destination theater. A lot of church groups will take tour buses and come up and see us. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I'd read Clyde Edgerton's book years ago when I lived in New York. And I love his writing. He, he speaks with, his voice really appeals to me. And uh, I had already um, adapted one of his novels, Where Trouble Sleeps which is one of my favorites okay. of his. Mm -hmm. And I said, Clyde, man, I really think we got the audience for uh, Walking Across Egypt. Maddie Rigsby, to me, uh, is a Christian superhero. She's how we should all be, and so few of us seldom a are. A Christian superhero. Now, she's the main she's character. She's the main here. character. Set up, what, set up Walking Across well, Egypt Walking Across Egypt, Maddie Rigsby is 78 years old, and she has decided that she's slowing down. Okay. She doesn't have a dog shows up on her porch, and usually Maddie would adopt a dog, take, a stray, take every stray in she ever meets. And for a specific reason, which you would see in the play, um, she's decided this day that she's slowing down. She's not keeping a dog. She keeps the she calls a dog catcher instead. And this dog catcher and uh, his nephew, who is a juvenile delinquent, come into her life. And mm -hmm. she's been hearing a lot about doing the least doing for the least of her brethren, you know, from Matthew 25 and in church. Mm, OK. And so she's decided to actually embrace this and actually visit those in jail and, and take them into her life. Well, you can imagine the chaos it caused with her neighbors and her son. And she's 78 years old. What is she doing? She's inviting in the quote unquote criminal element into uh -huh. her life. And she's just doing what the Bible tells her to do. Right. And now, let me tell you, I think she's wonderful. If my mother or father did that, I would be like, are you crazy? Which, of course, <laughs> is the reaction from those in her life. And it's it's a beautiful story. Clyde tells a wonderful tale of how this woman incorporates the word or her, the teachings that sh she's been taught and into her life and kind of shows up all the rest of us, you know. But it's a beautiful tale. It's a beautiful tale of redemption. It's a beautiful tale of finding meaning in your life again, even at 78. It's cool. Uh, now, is there something about the theater that allows you to kind of be able to write stories about faith? Yeah. I mean, Jesus talked in parables, mm -hmm. and th he told stories, and theater is all storytelling. We have a great new video out now about come listen to the stories we tell. So, sure, and especially because we're at Barter. I don't know how this play would play in New York. You know, I'm not certain that, you know, that they tend to want a little more what they call cutting edge, which is an excuse for a lot of other things besides storytelling. Um, but so but that doesn't matter to me. I, I don't plan on it ever going to New York. It's it's that's what's so great about having regional theaters in this country that we can tell the voice of a region. Right. We, you know, uh, I don't know that this story would play in in New Mexico or California, but it certainly should play to this area of the country. Um and it's great to be able to write plays for this area of the country. Appalachia, which I'm not a native of. I was a Michigan girl who moved to Kentucky. Oh, when you I was moved 13. to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was a 13 mm -hmm. when my family moved to Kentucky. Um, but I have since embraced it, adopted it, and <laughs> got it my own. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'm a Midwesterner, Midwesterner born, but I grew up, did a lot of growing up in Kentucky, went to college in eastern Kentucky. And so I fell in love with Appalachia. And... Uh, and this area of the world, 
And to be able to, even as a convert to it, if you will, tell its stories has been great. And theater does lend itself. It lends itself to not preaching to people. I don't like mm-hmm. play, I don't like plays preaching to me or telling right. me or beating me over the head with a message. But if we do our job well, and if we tell our story well, and we aren't heavy-handed with it, people should leave after seeing a play. My hope is that they leave questioning things, questioning the story, wondering how the story fits into their life, and, and creating conversation. Right. They don't have to agree with everything that's said, but if it provokes or and promotes conversation between people, that's a really cool thing and, and and inspires them to think and to want to learn more and to question and all those things that a good sermon should do, I guess. Sure, right? sure. sure. My guest, uh, if you're just joining us on Religion for Life, is Catherine Bush, and she is the playwright in residence at Barter Theater in Abingdon, Virginia. And uh, coming up is the uh, play uh, Walking Across Egypt, uh, based on the book by Clyde Edgerton. Now, do you watch uh, the play as the actors put it together? Are you oh, involved in the creative process there? You know what? I there? am the best kind of living playwright I don't go to rehearsal. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I'd be more than welcome to rehearsal. But that is a really uh, a, a special place for actors and directors to figure out what the story is. I, I like to think that a playwright lays the groundwork, you know, the foundation for the house. And then they, the designers, the lighting designer, sound designer, set props, all, all of them contribute and collaborate. That's when it's a really great experience, when everybody gets involved. And, and sometimes that works better than others, but for the but everybody has the best of intentions and i try not to i try not to be heavy-handed doesn't mean that i'm not tempted to be heavy-handed with it and like show up all the time and control freak i've got an ego i've got it all <laughs> <laughs> I'm ashamed to well, say. Well, it's also your creative work, and you sure. hope that they're not going sure. to. They're going but to, you know, but you know, yeah. that, that, that's true. But I've had a great example, and believe it or not, Clyde Edgerton, who has become uh-huh. a very good friend, he and his wife and his kids, who are wonderful. Clyde, you know, that's Clyde's story. That story is his. But he is the most generous author. He's like, no, this is your story now. It's a different story from page to stage. It has to be. Mm. He has different things happen. He can wander more. He has, you know, a book is much more reflective than Mm -hmm. a play is. I have two hours to tell this story. So I have to kind of pick a story to tell out of a book. Right. And and if I I want to do a, a, a great adaptation, which is always the goal, is to not play fast and loose, but, but to have the creative freedom to make the transition. Plot lines have to change. You have to create things in urgency that is not in a book. And Clyde, the first time he saw, uh, we did a mini production of this show last year, which means without all the technical elements, just to see how it would do in front of an audience. And Clyde came to that. And the first time he saw this script was at the opening of the, that mini production. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I hadn't even seen it yet. So mm. we were both nervous. And he loved it. And he's so great. He goes, this is your story. This is your story now. My story is the book. Your story is is this. And it, and it does change. It's different. The, the through line's the same. But, you know, other characters are beefed up to create an urgency and, and conflict that might not be inherent in the book. And then even a director and the actors also make it their story oh, sure. as well, don't they? Don't yeah, they? oh, absolutely. Um, they find things in the words that I write that I don't even know are there. Hmm. And that Clyde probably didn't even know. In fact, uh, one of the characters changes, same character, but changes from the book to the play. And I'm not going to say how he changes, but Clyde goes, of course. Oh, my gosh. And it's because of what Clyde wrote that I interpreted this character to be this way. But he didn't even. And then we were, I was giving him a ride home from the theater last summer. And he goes, 
Of course. Of course that's how that character is. Of course. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> and that's what these actors, and that's what an actor will do as well. An actor finds, well, this is obviously what you meant by this. And I, and I think, oh, no, I didn't mean that. But it's great. It works. It's perfect. It takes on a life of its own. It does take on a life of its own. It's a great roller coaster ride. And it's, um, I don't know that that could happen. I mean, every playwright has their own thing. But I'm not sure that could happen as freely if a playwright is in the rehearsal hall. I've got other things to do, too. I've got to write more plays. Mm-hmm. So that's their job. I did my bit. Right. I get to work. So how many plays do you do? You write a number of them at once, or do you work on one? Or well, how, how, what's I your should, writing like? I should. Well, a lot of shoulds, I suppose. I, yes, huh? I suppose. I am. Uh, I my father was always surprised that I ever finished anything I ever started because <laughs> I was notorious for leaving. I'm a great at starting project. Ideas are easy. You get that inspiration. You go go. But finishing it's another thing. I um at this point, I have. I used to have like three or four going at one time, and I'd get bored with one and go to another one. Now now that they're commissioned, I, I commissioned for barter and for the barter players. I have deadlines, so I've, I've got to get it done. They give you a bit more structure. And... Yeah. Well, yes, they give me a bit more of a deadline. Okay. Now, yeah, the structure is what I have to do on my own, and that's the harder part. But, yes, I I would say I probably have the – I think I'm writing three – two barter player shows this year and hopefully two for barter – Four plays. That's a lot of plays to write in a year. Right. So, uh, and most people like do one a year or one every two years. So, I, I will probably, I think I have all four of them started. And the one that I have to have done by the end of this month is the one I'm focusing on now. <laughs> right. Right. So, how did you get involved in theater? Oh, wow. This is a great story. I wasn't at all. My major in college was industrial technology. Wow. Yeah. I used to design vacuum cleaners and, <laughs> And uh, design yeah. vacuum cleaners. Yeah, and okay. tractor cabs. I forgot okay. that was my first job. Right. I was. Um, I didn't do any theater in high school. I didn't do any in college. I I went to London in the eighties to see a friend. Um, I see a friend, and I saw the Phantom of the Opera in the West End. Got tickets. Um, and I was. I mean, that changed my life. People will make fun of Phantom of the Opera and call it overdone or whatever, and make fun of Andrew Lloyd Webber. But I'll give him full credit. I fell in love with theater. Mm. I lo- always loved old movies, but I didn't wasn't exposed to a lot. My mom, I, I grew up on Broadway musicals, like listening to the albums, but I, we didn't have a lot of theater in Lexington, Kentucky, or at least not that I was aware of. Um, so I'd seen this play, started going to see a lot of theater, and then this I was working designing vacuum cleaners at Whirlpool in Danville, Kentucky, and I saw an ad in the paper about... Uh, the local community theater wanted help painting props or something or painting set. And I got involved, called them West T. Hill Community Theater, Danville, Kentucky. Gave me my start, and I was in the tender age of like 28, you know. Mm. And they talked me into auditioning for a play after I worked on the set. And I started acting. And the new, and I knew, John, that after four plays in my local community theater, <laughs> that Broadway was waiting for me. All right. Have you ever seen Waiting for Government? It's kind of, yes. my, it's kind of my life. Okay. <laughs> so I went to New York. I auditioned for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, got in. I don't know why. They probably wanted my money. I'm sure I had no talent. Went and lived in New York, went to school for um, however long that was. Um, saw a lot of great theater, saw a lot of more horrible theater, and started auditioning, and I had no resume to speak of, and and I wasn't good. But I remember seeing 
a lot of bad data and thinking even I can write better than this. So I started writing a spoof on Gone with the Wind called I'll Never Be Hungry Again. It was the first thing I wrote. That was the first thing you wrote. The first thing I wrote. I wrote it in 1995, called my old community theater back in Kentucky and said, if I round up a bunch of actors here and pay them and, and make raise money to pay them, can we come do it there? And we workshopped it. There. Sure enough, 1996 was the first time we workshopped it. Had a bunch of actors from my sister, uh, Colleen, was Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, and <laughs> well, I that's, was even, in, I wrote it for myself to give myself work. And that's what's playing, of course, yeah, as now, we're yeah, in February and March. 17 years Barter. later or whatever. Yeah, they're doing it. And they've done it in 2006 as well. So this is the second time Barter's done it. Okay. Yeah, and then that's how I started writing. And I started writing musicals first and then um, switched to straight plays. They're easier to get produced. And I learned, I hadn't, I've never had a playwriting class. I have had great, uh, I learned a lot from reading great plays and trying to figure out how they worked. But it was when I really got to barter um, that I uh, hooked up with John Hardy, Katie Brown, a lot of great dramaturges who put me through the paces of what a play needs. So you did it naturally, and then and now you're kind of learning also Even the more. theory right, and what... Right, exactly. And and when you write for the Barter Players, which is the theater for young audience, you're writing for children, and mm-hmm. they aren't going to put up with any any bad writing. Their attention span, you know, you do you have kids? You know, they're, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what their attention span is, zilch. So you better make <laughs> it action based. Everybody's coming into the room with great need, great urgency, and for a real great reason, and then something happens. And that's when you learn to write for kids, they're the toughest audience. So I've, I think I've honed my craft writing for young audiences. I think I make thousands of mistakes, and I'm, you know, I always go through a great rewriting process. But I've learned a lot. Barter's been a salvation for me. This is Religion for Life, and my guest is Catherine Bush. She is the playwright-in-residence at Barter Theater, um, and she has uh, written a number of plays. In fact, two are uh, playing now at Barter Theater. Uh, they are uh, Walking Across Egypt and... I'll Never Be Hungry Again. I'll Never Be Hungry Again. <laughs> and so... Um, now, many of your plays center on characters and themes that are close to Appalachia, though. Oh, yeah. There. Yes. That was how I actually got introduced to Barter. I'd written a play called The Other Side of the Mountain um, back in 2000. I guess I wrote it in 2002, my goodness. And in 2003, it'll be 10 years ago this year, it had a reading at the Barter's Appalachian Festival of Plays and Playwrights. That was my introduction to Barter. Um, and it was, among other things, it was about... Uh, the brain drain in Kentucky, or, and I'm sure in Appalachia in general, kids going away to college, seeing the other side of the mountain, and then mm-hmm. coming back home and telling their parents, I'm not going to live here anymore. I can't live here. I, I can't work here. You know, this my life has changed. So that it has a lot of themes, but that's, that's the big one right then. And that led to uh, a trilogy, actually, set in eastern Kentucky. Uh, the other side of the mountain was first. The second was The Quilt Maker, which was about um, the prescription drug crisis in eastern mm. Kentucky. And then the third one was Coming Up a Storm, which was uh, took the characters from the other side of the mountain and took them six years later, and you saw what happened in their life. It's interesting because um, this part of I'm I was raised Catholic. You know, I am a Catholic. So uh, a lot of my, a lot of folks in this area, that's not the predominant religion at all. Um, but I've always managed to um, interweave a Catholic, especially in uh, the first and third of that trilogy, they had a missionary priest in both. So that was kind of my, the glimpse from my point of view, the outsider who comes into this world and, and sees it. There's always, 
I find writing about Appalachia as an outsider, the only honest way to write about it for the most part is having an outsider come in. Mm. And then it provokes everything else that comes. So I've had a lot of people ask me, where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> you're not from around here? Yeah, where are you from? <laughs> well, if you're going to talk so, about it, you better know it. Right. So that's I immediately uh, forego my Michigan birthing spot and say, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do, you, do, do you write yourself, in a sense, in your plays? Uh, I write things that have happened in my life into plays a lot. I mean, I'm not always forthcoming about what those are. Some of them are mm-hmm. kind of great and some of them are kind of painful and some kind of incident i'm like oh right that's the reason i'm always i think everyone does every writer must write from their own experience somehow i mean you make up you at least the germ of it and then you create all the rest i think if you try to tell your own story it's probably never that interesting but but yeah sure Sure, parts of me are probably in all my plays. Yeah, well, like including we talked uh, as we began this, your faith a little bit. Your and oh. and, you, and the fact that you uh, uh, that the main character uh, Mitzi is a uh, Maddie. 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 Maddie, is Maddie a, Rigsby. Right. Right. Is your uh, uh, superhero Christian superhero? Sure, and it's great because uh, Clyde uh, Clyde Edgerton also writes a lot in um, his um, in the back of his books. He has questions for um, book clubs to ask to answer, and he talks about his own faith. And, and Clyde and I come from two completely different faith traditions. He was raised Southern Baptist. I'm Roman Catholic. Uh, if we threw a Jew in there, we'd probably have it all covered. <laughs> but, you know, we're pretty far, you know, that uh-huh. that's, you know, but we both believe we found this great meeting ground in Maddie. Maddie Rigsby, yes, I was raised, my parents were wonderful, wonderful Christians, and I mean that in the truest sense of the world, a word, especially as they got older. They're, they let, um, are what I consider great Christians, they didn't judge others, and they opened up their hearts. And to me, and I think they imparted a lot of that. That we, I have 10 brothers and sisters, and I think we got a lot of that from them. I'm very grateful for my upbringing that way. And sure, I'm drawn to people who, when put to the test, do the right thing. And it's not always the popular thing, and it's probably not always the thing, I'm ashamed to say, that I would do. But gosh, isn't it great to have these people who are unassuming, who you'll never hear about in the real world. You'll never hear about these unsung heroes who go out and feed the poor and clothe the naked and and give the thirsty something to drink. You know what you think about theater? Sometimes it's um, with its relationship with religion. Uh, it isn't always necessarily friendly. Um, no, some, sometimes it's kind of spoofs it or um, sure. And, and, and I think that goes and also that, and not to defend theater a bit. I think they've gotten a bad rap from religion a lot. Absolutely, I, or not religion mm-hmm. from from certain. Um, it's always been looked down upon in Shakespeare's time. You know, they were considered almost criminals according to the church. You know, and so I think that kind of goes both way. Yeah, sure. Religion is spoofed a lot in theater, um, film, and television. And I think that it's considered the work of the devil by some in in the religious world. So it is an interesting relationship. What I've learned at Barter Theater, though, I'll admit it. I have a huge ego and a need for fame, which I try to tamp down. But (laughs) I learned at Barter and um, what – how theater can actually be a service like – Sure. Like religion and faith should be, like how important theater and evoking imagination can be in serving our audiences and especially in, in serving our youth. I mean, the barter players that the group I write plays for will go tour to schools in 
some of the poorest parts of Appalachia. And these kids, they don't have anything. They don't have food. Mm. And they're not going to get food from the barter players to eat. But what they do get is their imaginations evoked and their hope. They are giving something to dream about and to hope about. And when they go to bed at night and they don't have anything to eat, they can remember a play they saw that day and they can imagine a world that they can make better. And they, we feed souls. Oh, and I think that's that, a great way to put yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's what we do that is very similar to religion. Well, it's really, it really, it's it's theater. I it's, mean, religion is theater, right. too. Right. It, it, it certainly mean, can be. Yeah, it absolutely is. You go to a place, you sit down at a certain time, and you listen to people talk, and you feel things, and you are inspired to do things. And, yeah, it's they're so similar. No wonder they kind of combat each other. They're probably jealous well, That's of what other. I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, what I was thinking. Sure. Um, so any of your plays, are you ever surprised at how um, one might be more successful or popular than another? I, and Yes, there are. It's amazing to me. What I guess... Um, well, here we go. Let's talk about my vanity. Um, I always think that they should do well. Uh-huh. Um, I'm surprised that sometimes what actually what surprises me more <laughs> is what doesn't do well. I wrote, I thought a really great play, and I still think it's a great play, called Trade and Paint about NASCAR racing that Barter did. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't sell as well. They did it in Atlanta, and it sold to the walls. So I don't hmm. know. And there are plays that we, we had a great play at Barter that had nothing to do with me writing it called uh, October Before I Was Born about the explosion of the chemical at, at Eastman back in the 60s. Okay. That big explosion they had in Kingsport. It was a great play. And it did not sell equal to what it should have sold last fall, in my opinion. It was really great theater. It was a great story. It was accessible to all. And... Uh, yeah, it's 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 a crapshoot what will sell and what doesn't and what does well. And to try to figure that out, which I have done, is like banging your head against a brick wall. All you can do is write the best story you can write. Write the best and see what happens. And see what happens. Catherine Bush, my guest on Religion for Life. She's the playwright in residence at uh, Barter Theater. Um, Walking Across Egypt is one that is, is coming up, will be coming up from February 14th through May 11th. May, May 11th mm-hmm. uh, at Barter Theater. And you want to catch that. Um, we just have about a minute left. Are there other projects that you're writing now? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on a new musical for the Barter has also a Shaping of America series. And uh, Ben Mackle, who is a barter actor and a wonderful composer, he and I are working on a new show about the women's suffragette movement and Tennessee's role in the ratification process of that called wow. Winter Wheat. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. I, I just love the fact that you're able to link all of the local events. Oh, all absolutely. Of these yeah. There, yeah. Yeah. It's where I live. It's home now. Catherine Bush, my guest on Religion for Life. Thank you for coming down and taking Thanks time for having for me, John. Me. You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life, and the theater. My name is John Shuck, and I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. You can find our webpage, fpcelizabethton.org. You can find information about upcoming programs on Religion for Life at religionforlife.com. You'll also find there uh, links to podcasts as well as articles and all kinds of wonderful things at my blog, religionforlife.com. Follow Religion for Life also on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM and WETS-HD1, Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM, Emory, Virginia. Be well.